It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's neworleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limousine or just come out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans and this is happy hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. Other than we're all New Orleans in a bar today, we're at the fabulous Ferret Beer Room on Ferret Street. If you want to know something about the Ferret Beer Room, let me tell you, it has comfy seating. <laughs> Andrew Duhon, would you agree with me on that? Hey, come, well, this I is like what they give me. This we're is what sitting they at the bar, the bar on, on the, the bar stools right. right now, but I can see comfy seating. It's apparently comfy seating. But the bar, bars are perfectly ergonomic. I like where my elbow is sitting right. and everything, so that's I good. think these stools are really uncomfortable. Tom Ballard is here. What do you think, Tom? Is that uncomfortable for you, these stools? The hour is young. Well, so far, how are you feeling? I can okay. feel like the bones in my ass on the stool already. You can feel the bones in your ass. Is that normal? How many bones? Uh, one. How many bones are in a human ass? <laughs> Susan Frieswick, you ought to know that. Aren't you something, some sort of nutrition specialist? Uh, yeah. Isn't that the human body? It, mm, inside. Okay, so how many bones in a human ass? Um, one. One bone? Two. There's a Each. big difference between one and two, you know. Two. We'll go with two. There's double, actually. Mm-hmm. So what do the sneakers mean hanging off that wire over there? I just saw those. Traditionally means there's drug dealers. Yes. That's what I thought. Dave Jordan, the genius singer-songwriter, is here as well. Dave, welcome to Happy Hour. It's about time. Thank you. How many years have we been trying to get you on the show for? And I mean, You've been unavailable. Uh, it's the first time I've been contacted. Really? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with that? I want to talk about the purple couches they have here. Yes. I'm a very I big have fan of purple couches. Right. And they have purple couches here. Why are you so big, such a big fan of purple couches? It probably has something to do with Prince. Yeah. Are you a big Prince fan? Oh, who's not? If you're not a Prince fan, I don't want to talk to you. I think that was the original yeah. lyric, I think, from Purple Rain was Purple Couch. Purple Couch, well. Yeah, I believe it was. probably had something to do with trying out the band members yeah. anyway. <laughs> they, also, <laughs> they also have board games here, which, I mean, I don't see any evidence of that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. They've got a great rotating beer selection. They have some... Uh, Seasonal wine. What okay. season is it now for wine? Red. Drinking. Drinking season. Okay, so Susan, you've bought this food here. I did. And it's all, it's king cake, which is first of all a crime to make king cake before January the 6th. It is. But I do it year-round for anyone that wants to do special occasions. Um, we just went and did for a bridal shower. We did a double king cake and decorated it in bridal colors um, in whites and creams and What's great is that there's no sugar, there's no what? grains, there's no flour in that. What? It's gluten-free, it's all healthy for you. Huh. It's got to taste like shit, right? No. <laughs> it's Not got at to. All. It has, You'll be surprised. I appreciate you saying what we're all thinking. Mm-hmm. King cake has sugar, yeah. flour, yeah. that's about it, right? And a baby. And, Baking powder and a baby. Right. <laughs> and a baby. And, and a baby. This got, what's in yours? That, um, well... I don't have a baby. It would be totally keto because that's high protein, but I don't have a baby. Um, (laughs) But it's uh, it's a combination of um, almond and coconut flours and good healthy fats like butters and. So you say you say almond. Almond. Tom, what do you say? Just for variety, I guess almond. Almond. Andrew, what do you say? Yeah, I'm an almond guy. Almond. Almond. I've never heard anyone say almond. Almond. Where are you from? New Orleans. Really? Is that how they say it here? Almond. I don't know. What part of New Orleans did you grow up in? Um, in Jefferson. Oh, that so, explains it. So yeah. Andrew did too. Well, yeah. this is Alma. I though. travel around and, and yeah. people say, like, where's your New Orleans accent? I don't know. I grew up in the suburb and I watched too much TV, I oh, guess. Oh, my dad made us get rid of it. Yeah. He, really? He was from up north. He's like, no, 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 no. That is not how... We don't say quarter. Yeah. Quarter. say quarter. They all say the same thing to me as I travel around. And yeah. All of my friends sound just like I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you sound? Uh, you know, like I've been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you from, Dave, originally? I grew up in Mandeville. In I, Mandeville? Mm-hmm. Is that New Orleans? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. When you were growing up, was that regarded as New Orleans or was that regarded as the country? It was the country. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think it's probably more regarded it's as... It's definitely, especially post-Katrina, the whole yeah. right. you know, St. Tammany area. Everybody moved over there. Yeah. Are you still over there? No, I haven't lived there since I was 18. You got out <laughs> the minute you could? Yeah. What was it like growing up in Mandeville back then? Was it... Cool. It was great. It was a tiny town back then. This is, a, you know, I moved there in 1980, and uh, you know, you grew up, you knew everybody. There was one public school, one Catholic school, and played sports with each other. And you know, by the time you got to high school, you dated all the same girls, and 
you know, three quarters of them went to LSU. <laughs> pretty predictable <laughs> Louisiana story, really. <laughs> what but what happened? Very, it, was, it was a very easy, fun place to grow up. You know, the cops would pour your beer out, and then you just go buy more beer. Hmm. That's it. Okay. Never got in any trouble. Did you know the cops? Like they knew first me. name. <laughs> <laughs> so this is when you're in high school. The cops yeah. before you be out. Mm-hmm. Did you drink when you were in high school, Andrew? Mm, uh, you know, senior year. But you know, did you go uh, into a bar when you were in high school? You had to have gone to the boot. It would. It would have been uh, uh, actually. It would have been on Fred Street. Uh, yeah, what's me it, too. What was it called? Friar something. Friar Tucks. Friar Tucks. We oh man, Friday night there was free barbecue, mm-hmm. so we go early. You know, hit the free barbecue, drink all night, and then head to the Treasure Chest Casino for the all-night buffet because we could eat all day. And this is in high school. I think it was like the summer after high school. See, no, everybody, when I moved here, everyone used to tell me about bars they drink in high school. Yeah. I went to the Sitting Duck, and yeah, Yeah, that's where we would all go to Lawn Ferret, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. So, it's the sushi bar now. It's origami. Oh, that was yeah. origami? Uh, that was, that was the Friar Tux. Yeah, it I, might have been Friar Tux at some point, too. They all kind of swap names yeah. out. But this, right. was, this was absolutely during high school. Mm-hmm. So you were drunk and having sex with boys in high absolutely school? Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not? <laughs> no. See, Tom, but you grew up in... But the drinking age back yeah. then was 18. Exactly. So nothing right. to it, you know? Right. Right. Well, you grew up in New York, Tom, right? Mm-hmm. So there was none of that. There was no Friar Tuck in my life. There was no fun. <laughs> uh, none. It was horrible. Why do you say that? No, I just quit. I'm kidding. It wasn't, was it? What did you do uh, as a high school kid? Grow. Right. <laughs> um, go to school. You mean recreationally? Is that where we are? Yeah. Well, the big high school bar senior year was called the Blue and the Gold, or the Blue and Gold, on 8th Street. And um, that was very popular. And then later, one graduated to the bar on the other side of the stoop called Vercovina, which was for the older crowd. This is in the city proper? Yeah, like, uh, Blue and Gold was, actually I'm wrong, 7th Street, 7th between um, 1st and 2nd Avenue. Cool. Was that on the east side? Mm Mm-hmm. So what kind of a neighborhood was that when you were growing up? Was it, like, wealthy or Nazi or what? Not wealthy. I mean, it was early Lower East Side gentrification. Right. So... Pretty exotic. For, I mean, if you're a senior in high school, everything is pretty exotic. If you think about it. You know, yeah. Everything is sort of the first. So, yeah. The Blue and Gold, I have a very happy early memory of um, being with friends and a little drunk and then throwing my wallet across the room. <laughs> just okay. flinging it across the room. Just trying. Just to see. And this dude, one of the better pool players, an older guy, it was a pool table, um, picked it up. Picked it up and put it in his pocket, uh, <laughs> teaching me a lesson. That would teach you a lesson. Yeah, so I don't throw <laughs> my wallet across rooms no, anymore. I think that's a good lesson to have learned in high school, probably. But you're very identified with, with, the, with the city of New York. You're, you're writing, and mm-hmm. I mean, you were a staff writer at the New Yorker magazine, mm-hmm. which I didn't know about until this morning when I read this the, bio. The mag- you didn't know about the New Yorker until this morning? I just heard of the New Yorker. <laughs> it's a great fucking magazine. It doesn't have many photos, but other than that, it's great. So th- that must be like, for a writer, I would think being a writer on the staff writer on the New Yorker must be the mm-hmm. pinnacle of all achievement. Yeah, but you know... Pinnacles are very narrow, and one tends to fall off of them. <laughs> so there's kind of up and down feeling about the whole thing. But yes, you, it was very did, exciting, you know, er, fortunate turn of events. It must have been an amazing thing to have got an offer. Well, how old were you when I, you were? I met. Stuff, right? I met to drop this name, Tom Stopper, the English playwright, mm-hmm. last spring. Who'd, he'd flown in to see the Rolling Stones, but that was the Rolling Stones date that got canceled. Oh, he flew to New Orleans to see the Stones? Yeah. Wow. And, and it turns out he, he didn't fly like to go take his seat in the audience with his ticket. He was like Keith's guest. He was here oh, wow. to have like, okay. dinner with Keith and then mm-hmm. see the show. But then that all got canceled, but he still had his plane ticket, so he came, and I was very excited to meet him. We chatted, and we, we got to exactly this point. His line of questioning just like yours, all great minds. and Not many people compare me to Tom Stoppard, I must say, but that's the first time. He said, you must have been like a dog with five tails. <laughs> this was the first right. that image. That's nice. That's a pretty cool thing for Tom Stoppard even to be seen. Yeah, even Tom so Stoppard is one of the great writers of the English language is Un- impressed with that. Unbelievably uh, 
relaxedly, genuinely friendly and unprepossessing. But even he is impressed with the fact that you're a starfighter from The New Yorker, which says something about where that position is in the pantheon of writing. Yeah, I It's guess. a pretty big deal. Yeah. What was it like to actually be oh that God. guy? Uh, what was it like to be that guy? Yeah. Well, to bring it into the concerns of the table... Um, I was a drummer at the time in a rock band, and I was still holding on to this idea that what I really wanted to do was just tour, and so I had stipulations about what I would, you know, what was necessary for me to come on board, and one of them was that if I went on tour, I just had to be understood, I just had to be able to go for a few months. Okay. But, um... What kind of band was this here? It was a rock, three-piece rock band. Any good? Interesting. Um, <laughs> it was a real band, and we played real places, and we made a single, and we even had an offer, but then we screwed up because we turned down the, the, uh, the bird in hand for the better two birds in the bush, mm-hmm. and then the bush vanished, and then we never really emotionally recovered from that. I've been mowing down bushes my whole career. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well just go into landscaping. So, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to get a burning image in there to get that sort of Moses. Because uh-huh, uh-huh. the, the, that was a little bit like um, the lead singer of the band was going to be our, was going to lead us through the desert into the promised land. But instead, he just led us over the, <laughs> into the Dead Sea. Yeah, into the, the Dead Sea. Water came <laughs> together and everybody drowned. Yeah. But the other two guys, what the. They had to go on to do something. You unfortunately had to go back to being a starfighter at the New Yorker when your drumming career failed. What did the other two dudes go on to do? Uh, Jim Merlis was already working in the music business as a publicist, and he went on to work with Nirvana on their In Utero record because we'd met Nirvana during our one West Coast tour in 1990 Okay. and had been the guy who did their t-shirts did our t-shirts that might be our biggest claim to fame that's pretty good Jeff Ross Okay. and then he became and remains very successfully as an independent company called Big Hassle and he worked with the Strokes on their first record and I'm missing something else he worked he was around Alan McGee a lot in the Creation Records era Teenage Fan Club Oasis things like that wow so he did pretty good yeah yeah, he's, he's Jim Merlis. He's really an and impressive he was, guy. Was he the singer? No, he was, he was the, the bassist. Man? He was the bass player. Mm-hmm. So what about Moses, the singer? What happened? Moses was a guy named Tom Cushman. Wow, we're gonna. I don't know how we're supposed to be talking about New Orleans. This is going <laughs> great. This yeah, is going great. C Rock can find Tom Cushman right now. If well, you, Cushman, actually, if you can find him, yes, let me can, know. C Rock will find him right now. He can find anyone. The thing about Cushman, um, he was a very funny, witty dude, very amusing, but his singing style and his songwriting style was really emotional and it just led to a strange thing going on and he was the guy I think maybe you guys can relate or commiserate with this usually in a band there's some rationalization for why things are going to work out you, and often it's because this dude had was the roadie for this guy <laughs> and they got signed or some right. very abstracted family tree sort of thing and Tom had done interesting Things with the Beastie Boys, whose records we'd all gone to high school together, and he co-wrote some of those songs. That, and he's even name-checked in a Beastie Boys song. So we were like, "Oh, I know that actually." Tom, Tom, yeah. Tom Cushman, Tom yeah, Fleury. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know the Beastie Boys song, I know the Dave? Song, yeah. Okay. So, but our rock music, it, his music was much more sincere than the work, you know, which was much jokier that he was. So it was all a little like off kilter. I think that's kind of normal with uh, artists. Like the the more outgoing you are and your day-to-day personality into being more emotional with your writing and the more introverted you are as a person, you often become opposite of that on stage. That's interesting. It's a weird dichotomy that seems to happen a lot. So what does that say about you? Because you seem very cheerful and well-adjusted. Wow. <laughs> 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 you caught me with that one. Sorry. There's a lot of people that might uh, you know, disagree with that. <laughs> or it depends on when you see me at the bar. But... Uh, I mean, I've been a funk bass player, and now I'm a singer-songwriter, so I've gone both ways on that, you know. Those Um, are different. Yeah, they're way different. Which one do you prefer? I like them both. Do you like being a star, like out front? Mm, Yeah. I mean, I like being in control of it. That's such a genuine answer. Fair enough. Speaking as a former drummer, I I acknowledge that that is the probably correct answer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, it's... 
we, I get to go on stage with whoever I want to. I get I get to control that world. And so right. that's you know when you're in a band in a in a you know democratic dynamic, you don't necessarily get that. But you know, Andrew calls his own shots. So do I. Right, and you said you get to, but I say that we have to, well, and we have so to. Yeah. you know it can also be a, a burden at times, you know. But but you know, heavy is the head that wears a crown, but stay small, keep it all too. You know, it's like uh, it's uh, an intellectual property these days. You know, to get out of the philosophy and into the business, like intellectual property is where I feel the safest in terms of trying to make a buck in the music industry, and being songwriters is where it feels safest, you know? And I have bandmates who are trying to diversify the bands they're playing with. Just, I'm, I'm just poaching your drummer Exactly right. right. And yeah. didn't I send you an email about him? Miles did. Oh, nice, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that, What did it say? Uh, you know, something about Jim was in town, fairly new uh, in town, and had been here for a while, but we've been on the road, and now he's coming into town and looking for gigs because he doesn't know a whole lot of people here. But. And Andrew's taking some time off to make a record. Right, yeah. So um, I hired him. Right. Oh, and, cool. And okay. you know, a, a side person. I haven't who's played not, with him yet. He's great. Yeah, you you will love here. him. And and he's he's great as uh, uh, technically just a musical mind. You know, he can sing along to anything. Mm-hmm. A voice like a bird, but also really great drummer. But but what's this guy's name? His name is Jim Kolachek. Jim Kolachek. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, hey, you want to play something? Mm-hmm. You want to play something? You want to grab a guitar while we're talking about music? All right. Okay. Grab a beer. I'll so, do that too. Nice. You need another beer as well? Okay. Yeah. So. So you've taken time off to write a record. I'm working on that. I think I'm working on that. Okay. Yes. All right. How's it going? Uh, I'm encouraged, but I'm also uh, I'm giving the co-writing thing a shot for the first time, oh. and I've like everything that I've recorded so far has just been written by me, not you know just right. bounce it off the band and that's it. But, Are you uh, looking for music co-writers or lyric co-writers or what? I'm trying to get together with writers like Dave, who I respect, um, and and get together to see if we can't make bumper lanes for each other. And uh, and the thing that would have taken a month to come up with a draft, we take an afternoon, and and that's what happens. And so I'll so today that's I'll real play. Like a real job, or like the real professional songwriters. Like the, Did you not think like, I had a job the guys in Nashville, Like the guys in Nashville that make appointments with each other to write a song yeah, well, in the there, morning exactly. before lunch. We could, we could keep getting whiskey, so I can tell you all about what I think about the whole thing. But, but I, I, have to, I want to take it in doses, and I want, to, I want it to still be my voice, and I want to have something to say, right. and I want it to be what I have to say. So you want it to be but, your song, but you want someone else to help you... Make well, it, bring yeah, it to life. But, but also, just That's like we're all we're all sculptors crafting our own form, you know, uh, amoebic, whatever it is. But but we can also make a chair, and it's helpful to make a chair sometimes just to see how that's done. So it's not always about writing my song, but in New Orleans, getting together with with writers that I really enjoy, it is usually my my direction is to see if I can't write my song. But it doesn't have to be that. I'm still inspired and right. instructed and educated by are you looking to write 10 songs with 10 different guys or no I, it doesn't matter I, I want to find people it's a it's a dating game you have to find people right. who you, you you are making love with if you will okay. I hope you mention that up front when you start <laughs> yeah. yeah that's right Tom do you write any songs no no. just novels and no. yeah. short stories sometimes but it's, it's but, similar you know with what Andrew's talking about and, you know, when you write, you, yeah. Tom, you have editors, you know. I like to work with producers because it's the same process. The producers help me edit my ideas. And, you know, I, we all love our own ideas, but that doesn't mean they're good. <laughs> you know, and, you know, like what Andrew's saying, with uh, collaborating with people, you know, I, I want to I hear other people's ideas. And, mm-hmm. and, you know. There's a lot of room to grow and a lot of room to go with all these different things we do, so and, why yeah. limit ourselves? And it feels like real-time editing. You have three ideas for that one line and have somebody perk hmm. up on one of the three. That's it. You know, that's the game. It's also totalitarian democracy because at the end of the day, I'm going to say yes or no to their ideas. You know? Really? So yeah. someone is – it's not co-writing, man. It's, it's you're the writer and someone's like a co-pilot. I – I don't always feel like it's that. I think you're like an artist-producer sort of situation where... Yeah, where more talking about a producer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like that, too. I feel like a producer's job is to stand above the collection of songs and figure out how to make a record out of it. How to make it cohesive throughout. Right. Yeah. 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 So you and your record is awesome. Burning Sage, it's called. Thank you. I love it. I haven't done this for a long time. I put it on to listen to, like, a track just to get the idea and listen to the whole thing all the way through. Oh, thanks. I haven't done that in a long, long time, actually. 
Very impressive. Maybe I'll make some money off this one. <laughs> well, I wouldn't bet on I'm that's going to happen. Most people are just stealing it off of Spotify, aren't yeah. they? Mm-hmm. How much are you making on Spotify on your average check? Check? <laughs> uh, I, I read somewhere that it's something like 3,500 plays gets you 15 bucks. Oh, I think it's way less than that. I don't think so. Maybe 35,000? Yeah, I'd say 35,000 plays. I think it's like 0.001 really bad. Seven cents a spin. I know the people who work for Spotify are doing pretty well. Though. Yeah, I don't know if they are, though. I think they're losing billions as well. Really? I think so, aren't they? I don't know. I don't think Spotify makes any money yet, like I, everything else. I'm pretty sure. Like Uber. Do. Uber doesn't make any money, apparently, if you can figure that out. Right. How is that even possible? They don't, they don't even have tons of lawsuits, they don't own, But they don't own anything. My I mean, bank account would say different. Well, in that sense, do you take a lot of Ubers? Uh, right. Well, I mean, at so, the end of the night, if you've had, like, if you've gone down on Frenchmen, and okay, then so you're, you're like... So you're a total keto, healthy person who goes out and gets drunk? Eh, maybe. <laughs> how, I like tequila, so... How do those two things go together, tequila and keto? It's all about balance. Is it? Mm-hmm, it is. You have to be accountable for everything that you that you take in so you know there are, are really strict like Nazi keto and then there's lazy keto and then there's gluten free and there's low carb and um, you know if I like to I'm from New Orleans I like to indulge I like to go out I like to have a good time um, and when I do I make sure that what I'm drinking is as clean as possible it doesn't contain any sugar I wow. bring backups with me um, just What's in that? case Let's, so I bring sugar free flavorings um, with me, and so I'll make my own skinny margarita. Um, bartender's huh. worst nightmare bar? at a bar. I'm the bartender's worst nightmare. In fact, a bar um, on St. Claude refused to make my drink one night because he said, "I remember you from a year ago. Your your drink is nonsense. I'm not making it. You can order anything else in this bar, but I'm not making your drink." Did you stay there, or did you say "fuck you"? I and said, walk out? "Yeah, I did." Good job. Like a lady, but you know. I would have walked out of that too. <laughs> so you don't eat any sugar. I don't. But you will drink tequila. I will. So there's no sugar in tequila, therefore. There is agave. Yeah, I mean, it's from the agave plant, yes. But the way that your body processes it, and the next day, I um, go about basically cleansing my body of anything that I might have taken in. So Throw it's up. all about balance. Absolutely not, no. How do you cleanse your body of every piece of crap um, you you've do, eaten? You do a fast. Oh, the next it. day, you, okay. you go, and a lot of people do intermittent fasting, and they don't even realize it. And the next day, I just fast and drink lots of water and replenish my body with, you know, good, healthy things. And do you get a headache when you don't eat? No. Do you, Tom? I wouldn't know. I, you've never, no. you've never stopped eating. When I fast, <laughs> I can clean pretty much every single person's house on the block. Really? I have you so much energy. Like, yeah. Okay, well, come over wow. sometime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My place is a mess. Okay, what are you going to play, Dave? And then we're going to get on. I want to ask you the difference between keto and gluten-free, but let's yeah. just save that for one sec. Sure. Dave, all what I know are you playing? through all the addictions that I've struggled with in my life, sugar is the biggest one. Mm. It's serious. Yeah. It's, it, it hits it the same nerve, and yeah. it hits the same pleasure point in your brain that heroin does. Yeah, well, I've so, never done heroin, so don't. I'm ahead of the game on that <laughs> one. <laughs> what are you going to play? Um... I play all songs. This is the shortest song I've ever written. No, we don't, we don't need that. We're too high in here. Yeah. The uh, shortest song you've ever written? The shortest song I've ever written, yeah. Okay. It's about, I travel out west a lot and do gigs and a song about called Two Can Carry Tonight. Sun come up, oh, New Mexico. 
cold Watch him headlights pass us on this open road Watch that painting desert just fade into that painted sky I know this old hotel off exit 335 Smoke cigarettes in the parking lot Watch them semis whistle by Just meet me And two come carry where the fiddle be doing a solo. I'd hum it, but I'm a horrible hummer. Let's watch that sun come up over New Mexico. Watch them headlights pass on this open road. Watch that painting desert. Fade into that painted sky I'm twelve hours away But I can make it in nine Put the pedal to the metal, babe To make up the time Just meet me And two come carrying Just meet me And two come carrying Just meet me Most nice. I got all week. That is beautiful. What do you think, Tom? Wonderful. Thank you. Isn't that cool to be able to just w sit there and do that? Was the lyric, put the cruise control on edit? On 80. 80. 80. Got it. Because I was control. like, I didn't know you could edit. My love will and do the rest. Control. And the who, is, there's a piano in that solo bit on the record. Yeah. Who's playing the piano on that? It's a great piece of music. That is, uh, 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 what's his name? Ben Alleman. Ah. Not That's a fantastic player. Not Almond. Yeah, not, yeah, not <laughs> Almond. Ben Almond. Yeah. Okay. And you've done That's a great song. Yeah, he's yeah. great. He's fantastic. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, great. he's currently on tour with uh, Jenny Lewis. All right. And the news? No, that's, that's a different one. And your yeah, band is called the Neighborhood Improvement Association. Yeah. Great that's name. That's a great name. I'm surprised you're not being sued for that. But well, I made it up. Right. So, From the Neighborhood Improvement Association. Well, the, the, the little subdivision I grew up in, uh, in Mandeville was called Riverwood. And they actually had the Riverwood Improvement Association, the RIA. And I was doing a gig with a friend of mine. And we were in the West Bank at Algiers Point, And Brad Pitt was doing one of his meetings across the thing for the whatever he did down make in the ninth right. ward, make it right, yeah. Mm -hmm. So they came in and told us we had to be quiet because they were having a meeting, and my <laughs> guitar player was like, yeah, we're messing up their, their Neighborhood Improvement Association meeting. So I that's started cracking I up because that's what I grew up in my subdivision. And in my subdivision growing up, my father, like, they, they gave out every month the, the yard of the month. You know, you get a placard in your yard. And my dad... Yard of the month. The yard of the month. Okay. My dad had rose bushes and, you know, whatever. He, he was very... He was into his yard. And he always wanted to win this. And my father has two PhDs from Oxford. He's, like, the world-leading expert in his field. And what is very, field? very accomplished man. My dad's a... Horticulturalist. International... <laughs> <laughs> international relations. My dad's the world-leading expert on NATO. And, uh, on NATO? Mm -hmm. Well, how opportune is that? And, uh, Let's get to that in a minute. Okay. So he finally won the Art of the Month, and it was the most proud I've ever seen him in my life. He was just Even though he's got himself. two PhDs from Oxford, and mm -hmm. he's the world-leading expert. And, he, and why would he live in Mandeville, for God's sake? Well, he was, he was a professor at UNO. What's up, BJ? Okay. And uh, a friend of mine just walked by. Okay. And uh, we moved here because my dad was the dean of the grad school at UNO. That's why we moved here. Okay. And... Um, he won that award, and he was so proud. I've never seen him so proud. And that was August of... Uh, uh, I'd say 2005. 2005. Oh, and dear. By the end of the month, oh. a huge pine tree split my parents' oh. house in half. Oh, and they've never lived here since. Oh. They went out on top. <laughs> went out on top. Yep, that's he did. Right. Yeah, that's he right. Went out on well, top. good point. Well put. Hey, listen, I'm going to come back in just a moment and talk about the difference between keto and gluten-free. Mm -hmm. So don't go anywhere. Stick around, because we'll be right back after this. And we're back on Happy Hour with Dave Jordan, Andrew Duhon, Tom Baller, and Susan Friesevich, who's going to tell us about the difference between keto 
and gluten-free, and then we're all going to try some of the stuff, and we're all yes. going to have to say we love it, of course. Okay. Otherwise, we'll no, be <laughs> otherwise we'll be totally rude. But <laughs> I, I can't believe it's going to taste any good. What? what? Okay, so keto is naturally gluten-free because it doesn't contain it only contains um you know almond combinations of almond and coconut flour or one or the other okay so what exactly is keto then keto means that it is a high fat extremely low carb moderate protein diet or a health lifestyle so you're eliminating all grains um all starchy vegetables all sugar all m majority of fruit except for berries um and all sugar okay and you're replacing all your carbohydrates with healthy fats. Which is what? Coconut um, okay. oil, butter, avocado. bacon. Avocado. Avocado. Okay. Yeah. And really, do, you, do you miss, I mean, does it change the taste of things? Absolutely. No. So not, not for me. Why would somebody want you to live like this? Because um, they I've love been, cheese. <laughs> and bacon. And bacon. Um, you can eat bacon. I've, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of bacon. Okay. There's so much bacon. Why, I don't even eat meat choose, and I eat bacon. Why did you choose to do it? Why did you choose to give up regular king cake to make um, fake king cake? It's kind of personal, but my mom got sick, and we as a family decided that we wanted to try to heal ourselves from the inside out because we weren't getting answers from the medical field. And so she we, was undiagnosed. She was sick without a she diagnosis. She was undiagnosed. She had an autoimmune issue that um, was uh, directly from her thyroid, and it just kept intensifying. And so, as a family, we decided that we wanted to go keto. Um, we it actually originated in 1923 to help kids with epilepsy. And then they realized that, you know, all these autoimmune issues, these endocrine issues, that it can actually help them. People that have that are diabetic. This is a new way of life for them. So we all decided to try it. I have experience in catering, and I missed bread. I want bread. I yeah. want peanut butter and bread. I want sandwiches. I want all of that. So it took me a year to develop um, my sliced bread, and then that led to French bread. We're from New Orleans. I mean, so, I, I need French so bread. So you did this to get to be supportive of your mom. Who yes, because I would go over. Sick. They live in Mandeville, and I would go over several times a week and cook for my mom and dad. And I wanted but, to but be able to offer them something. Tons of people have been through these sort of stories mm -hmm. like this where they've had undiagnosed horrible diseases mm -hmm. and they don't know what to do and it gets right. better or it gets worse. Yeah. But most people don't invent their own bread. How, well, did, you, how did you get to that point? Because I, I wanted to be able to – I knew that I lost over 100 pounds first off. And wow. so I wanted to be able to never go back to what I had led, a life that <laughs> I had on. led. Wait a hundred pounds? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a lot, isn't it? That's a person. <laughs> yeah. That's another me. Did you regard yourself as overweight and unhealthy? Absolutely. You did. So you yeah. wanted to lose 100 pounds. Well, I mean, I went into it because I wanted to support my mom and my family. But the the you know what happened afterwards was such a complete change that and I felt so good no that it just I said you know there's no way I'm turning back I just want to keep doing this okay so what happened to your mom she passed away um New Year's Eve of last year um so she Sorry. wasn't able to be saved but um you know she led me to this right and it's changed so my entire life so. what was it that that got her in the end did they ever diagnose what it was she ended up uh yeah we finally got a diagnosis of ftd which is extremely rare it's um frontotemporal dementia and so it affects all cognitive function and so eventually she wasn't able to walk speak or swallow and so um she ended up passing away New Year's Eve, um, you know, of mal malnutrition. So, so that's a neurological It is, disorder. yeah. Mm -hmm. So no amount of keto or nothing would have um, You know, it. early on, and my sister and I, um, who we talk about it all the time because we still have very, you know, deep discussions as, family, as a family um, about latest reports and what people are saying about keto and all this. Um, and we know that we are being preventative. Um, and that we're able to s help save our brain function and kidney function and liver function the way that your body now processes um, fats in order to turn it into ketosis. Um, I'm not in constant ketosis. I don't, um, I'm not constantly losing weight, but, you know, I'm, I know how to monitor. I know 
what to do with my body. I know how to go out and on Frenchman and drink some tequila, and then the next right. day, you know, okay. get my body back. Um, and so, w- what reason is would there be for us to do it? Like that, all of us sitting here at this table. Well, um, I there, think somebody is, said something about you know sugar issues. Um, you Dave, know, sh- I, you've I, got sugar issues. Yeah. Okay. I, I have an eight-year-old daughter, and I'll be honest, I monitor her sugar intake like really strictly because I just don't see the nutritional value of it, and she becomes a completely different person. And if that's the case, if you want to go into it more, the first thing that doctors usually tell their cancer patients is to eliminate sugar. What do you think that means that it's doing to your body? So, you know, for anyone that's living gluten-free or low-carb or just sugar-free diet, I'm giving you an alternative that you can have sweets, you can have breads, French breads, you can have cakes, you can live a normal life. I even cook this way. I have experience in catering, so I started out with posting all these things. What do you have for dinner? Can you have potatoes? No. For Thanksgiving dinner, it was a completely... Um, keto dinner and no one knew. Mm. I made my own turducken and it was all out of stuffing that I made with my own French bread. I made mashed potatoes that nobody knew didn't have potatoes in it. I made my own bacon <laughs> gravy. What that, do you, how do you make mashed potatoes with no potatoes? Um, cauliflower. Cauliflower. And magic. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, what, guys, we have to try this. Okay. Yeah. So, what is this? This is king cake, which is illegal cake, to yeah. eat until June. Okay. Ju- so, then this is our bestseller. It's a blueberry lemon bread. Okay. And then that's one of our newer items. It's uh, pumpkin spice scones. And Ooh. then there is um, cranberry nut bread. That looks there, great. Cranberry yeah. nut bread. Um, and then. And what um, are these little balls? Th- that's a new item. Those are gingerbread fat bombs. <laughs> Say that again. Gingerbread fat yeah. bombs. Fat bombs. Like they explode okay. in your mouth kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> okay, so who's trying what? I'm trying this D- blueberry lemon. Dave, yeah, try do. some blueberry. Do it. Andrew, what are you I'm trying? I'm going to try the king cake. Okay. Yeah. I hope ahead. you're not struck down by lightning for eating that before yeah. well, 12 it's, night. It's got a green and, and red It's a Christmas yeah. sort yeah. of Christmas vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, are you up for anything? Um, fat bomb? To be polite, I'm going to take this thing. Well, that's a cookie. That's, yeah, that's a peanut butter cookie. Peanut butter cookie. Okay. Peanut butter cookie. I'm going to try this fat bomb. Yeah. Do just it. for the name. Mm-hmm. And, so, oh. So for the for the, for the, for the listeners uh, mm-hmm. who aren't viewing, there yeah. there seems to be granules on of top seems of this to be cake. Sugar. Yeah. What's They're happened not. there? So the sweetener that I use, um, right? This tastes like this thing my grandmother used to make. Right. Oh, wow. I don't know what it was called. Ambiguous statement there. I used to hate this as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Just to come over with these things, with head, they were rolled in coconut. Yeah, no. Well, coconut is. They were horrible, but this tastes great. What's in this? It's got like spicy taste. Right. So it's um, it's It's a it's a gingerbread um, fat Mm. bomb. So it's got uh, ground ginger in it. Um, I make cakes. Um, I have all different varieties of cakes, and so it's it's like a, a cake pop and a fat bomb all in one. Cake pop and a fat bomb. Yeah. This is really good. Dave, how was yours? Mine was good. Yeah. Very good. Have you finished the whole thing? Yeah, that's how good it was. So so the 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 piece of cake that I just ate. Right. You're you're saying keto is 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 super low carb. Mm Mm-hmm. So what you just ate is probably um about like two grams of carbs. Kidding. That's Not. like a how session IPA. How does it compare? <laughs> how, how does it compare to actual king cake? Uh, it tastes like a breakfast bread. It doesn't yeah. taste like king cake, yeah. but it tastes like a breakfast bread, and I love yeah. it. Okay, yeah. Tom, what did you think of the cookie? Excellent. Reminded me of something your grandmother. Did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm surprised that I mean I was going to be polite and say I liked it even if right. I like which I, I wouldn't know really, but that was really as good. Thank What's you. this little one? I'm not going to eat it. That's the scone. Yeah, that's, that's the scone. scone. That's okay, a pumpkin cool. spice All scone. All right. Can we? So you make you do this for a living? This is your business? Um, it is. I have a lot of jobs. I'm also a health and wellness promoter, but um, online. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I'm wanting it to be my own job, um, my main job, because eventually I want to open up um, a brick and mortar and cafe. Mm-hmm. So All I can right. not only just offer people the breads and the sweets, but I can also cook them. Things that they don't have to worry about, you know, with as far as gluten-free and keto and low-carb and diabetic, all of that. In the meantime, where can people order? Or? So they just look me up on Facebook, Everyday Keto to Go. And Everyday keto, keto, keto to Go. Yeah. But it's all – so the difference between gluten-free and keto is that because it's keto, it's naturally gluten-free. Mm. But if it's gluten-free, it doesn't mean that it's naturally keto. 
Uh-huh. Jesus, I'm lost now. <laughs> Dave, you got that under control? That there? sounds like a philo- philosophy <laughs> question from yeah, my wa- freshman year. Was not was. Yeah. I mean, a lot of um, a lot of keto or a lot of gluten-free items still contain grains. They contain like rice flour. As a keto person, I do not do any grains. So there's no rice. There's no. Wow. Okay. I, I'm, I'm I am lost, but it does Is, taste good. What's the issue with uh, with like you know uh, getting your See, uh, you're, you're eating a lot of cheese and bacon, say. What happens with mm-hmm. cholesterol there? Well, it depends on the cholesterol that you're looking at. A lot mm-hmm. of doctors will sit there and say, oh, well, you know, you're looking at this cholesterol, this cholesterol. What ends up happening is that, um, is that your, flies? Yeah, your, um, your bad cholesterol goes down and your good cholesterol goes up. And at an overall average, they're going to sit there and say, oh, your cholesterol has gone up. But you need to break it down and look at the bad and the good. Okay, so you've heard this question before. Mm-hmm. Good question, Andrew. Andrew, you want to play something? Sure. Grab a guitar. Uh-oh. So you, this is a thing that everybody knows your cholesterol goes up if you eat this kind of thing and they're saying it's bad for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have to come up with this argument that says it's not. Okay, what about NATO? Before Andrew gets back here. What, what does your dad say about the situation According right According to the uh, UN because meetings today, they're struggling. Yeah, so what's your dad doing today right now? My dad's 90, so he's probably not thinking too much about this. Has he given up worrying about NATO? Uh, yeah, you know, he I don't think he cares much anymore. <laughs> but when you're the world expert on something, don't people want your opinion about it? Yeah, but, you know. Just not your son. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not, not your son who's been doing rock and roll for 27 years. So. But what, is he talking to other people other than you about NATO? No, he's fully retired at this point. Yeah. Right. At 90. He doesn't give yeah, a shit anymore yeah, about yeah, NATO. Yeah, Screw he, that, all right. He can, you know, sometimes he remembers my name. Could you imagine Rip being totally retired? I would like to say that one positive thing about this is the flies like it, so <laughs> the, the food, so it, it's it still be, sweet. Well, this is a restaurant. There shouldn't be flies in here, really. As long as there's no roaches. Tom, can you imagine retiring as a writer? Would no, you re- not really. That would be no. Right, okay. Just checking out. No, I'm not, I'll, I'll never that. stop writing songs as long as I can mentally do it, but I mean... You know, my father at his advanced age is, you know. I can't imagine that he would stop thinking about NATO, though, if you were a celebrity. He reads the New York Times every day. Right. Still does so that. you haven't asked him his opinion, even though NATO's in the news and everything. Sure, but, you know, he's, at, he's at a level of senility at this point. Oh, I see. Just, okay, know, well. I was trying not to say yeah, that. Yeah, you, you, okay. you, you missed several. Yeah. Cues. Huge yeah. flags. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That were being waved well, hey, no one's accused me of being subtle before. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. Okay, Andrew, what are you playing? Well, um, let's see. So, um, like I told you, I'm. Trying to do more of this co-writing thing, even though... Who are you co-writing with? I know you've been working with Anderson. Yeah, this one's a, a, a Duhon Osborne special. Okay, um, Anders Osborne. Just, you know, I've been, you know what I did is I went to Nashville and, and tried to do the co-writing, like you said, kind of like the office sort of thing. I can't and do it, that. It didn't feel real good. So um, now I'm trying the people in New Orleans who, just by osmosis, are going to get where I'm coming from. Literally and figuratively, uh, okay. a little bit better. So, um, you know, Dave is somebody. I'd, you want to write a song sometime, dude? Yeah. What's next week? What about we'll now? Twelve minutes. Sounds sounds great. Yeah. Whenever this is done, we'll we'll write a song. But uh, this one's a uh, song. And Andrew and I have done gigs together. Yeah. Right. Cool. We're, we're very familiar with each other's work, and yeah. I played bass on a couple of his gigs. Yeah. So. Been some Do time. Do you play around New Orleans, like in different locations? Or? Yeah, we play all. I mean, when we're on out on the road, mm-hmm. I'm going to do a gig straight from here. What? Yeah. Where are you going? How do people know? I mean, how do people find you? SOS, a smoke ah, okay, got I'm it. way yeah. behind the times. And I'm doing a little songwriter swap thing with Lynn Drury awesome. at cool. the uh, Loa Hotel, the Loa oh, Bar, yeah. Yeah. whatever hotel that is. Mm-hmm. It's nice in there. Yeah, it is. It's very chill. Yeah, you should so. just take all the mics and go there. Could, yeah. Mic it right up. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's a song <laughs> that I uh, wrote with Anders Osborne last week, and maybe it's finished. All right. <laughs> different reason for every line on our face Everyone a different journey with a different load Even when we meet up 
Same time, same place We're all gonna get there By a different road And I can only hope That we're all bound for glory Tell me, stranger About those feathers in your cap And I know behind those eyes You got a story Everybody got A little piece of the man single mother Maybe you came up in a family of twelve Maybe all you've ever known is the heart of the city Others in the country get their water from the well And I can only hope I can only hope All roads lead glory joy and the pain it's all feathers in your cap and I know behind those eyes everybody got a story everybody got a little piece of the man won't find it in the sunny Won't find it in the scriptures It only gets clearer looking back It ain't nobody got the whole damn picture Everybody's got a little piece of the man I can only tell you what I see from where I stand I can only feel this one heartbeat But how far could we reach if we took each other's hand Could we learn to live together Could we learn to live in peace Oh, well, I can only hope I can only hope, I can only hope We're bound for glory The joy and the pain It's all feathers in your cap I know behind those eyes Everybody got a story Everybody got A little piece of the man Everybody got, everybody got little piece of the man everybody got a little piece of the man thanks y'all okay dave what do you think of that i love what's really cool to me about it is that i can hear you in it and i can hear anders in it. that's cool <laughs> thanks know, dude very much so from the very first line and the yeah. very first word i can yeah. hear you know I've made a couple records with Anders, and he's playing his band too, and I've written with him a lot. And it's what does Anders bring? The optimism? Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Anders brings Maybe. reality. Mm. You know, like one of the things he taught me as a writer when I was younger, I'd write a lot of songs that really weren't that personal. They didn't say much. And Anders is the bravest writer I know. I mean, you go listen to his records, you hear his whole life story, and it's unflinching. Mm hmm. And, uh, and that's what he taught me, you know, not trying to teach me, just working with him. And Does that, Andrew like, writes like that anyway. He's, you right. know, I've said about you for a long time, Andrew writes beyond his years, although now your, your years are catching <laughs> up. Getting there, dude. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Tommy, but, you working on something at the moment? 
Yeah, yeah. It's a very big leap away from the topic we were just dwelling on. What are you what, writing about? Let me procrastinate answering that, as I, in fact, have procrastinated okay. writing that by asking you, <laughs> does the collaboration break down into, like, you know, chorus, verse? Like, was there, like, your part, his part? Because I was just, as I listened to it, I was like, oh, you know, wondering if there are actually, like, progressions that you mm -hmm. stitch together. Uh, I think... I think it, you have to work together long enough to see what what's strong about what you're each bringing and feel confident about you know what you're pitching. And I think I think I think he 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 feels good about uh, I feel good about throwing out three lines and him telling me which one he likes the best. And and I think he feels good about messing with the chords and let's see if we can change this melody and, and musically. And the singability of a line, and I think I think that's what really what he's bringing to the table. And it's not something I'm strong with is the singability of a line. I'll I'll screw up the singability for the sake of thinking that I have to say it so clearly. And I think he's better at uh, making sure that we sing something singable that gives you the feeling and maybe doesn't tell the story so obviously, which sometimes is better, you know. Um, so I think, uh, I, I mean, the chorus itself, I, our first draft had a different chorus. The chorus was the bridge. Uh, and, and I went home and I made it the bridge and I wrote a whole new chorus and I brought it to him the next time and he was into it. So he just traveled that way. You know? Interesting. It's a cool uh, singability thing. I, I mm -hmm. never thought about that, especially as relating to him, but that's very true. Totally. Whenever I've worked with him, it's one of the coolest things is that Every idea is on the table, and every idea can be rejected without prejudice. It's—he's he's very easy like that. As, it must a be a pretty with. sort of brave thing you have to do to write a song with somebody. It's a lot of trust, mm -hmm. right? You have to believe that you'd say those words, that you'd sing them, even if he wrote them. Right. That's a great lyric. Everybody's got a piece of the map. That was the first line that that I pitched was like yeah how about this idea everybody's got a little piece of the map and he's like yeah i like it let's write it and that was that's where we started so you're gonna produce your next record i don't know uh we talked Good about question. it yeah. you know mm -hmm. we we talked about it and i think it, it depends on what that collection of songs looks like i told right. i told him that that we should make something together and whether or not it's this next thing or not i'm not sure yet but but certainly we'll make something together yeah. you're gonna yeah. play something else before we leave too but tom let's get back to the question oh what are you writing uh <clears throat> Well, a few different things, but one of them is I'm very obsessed with the collapse of the Hard Rock Hotel, so I'm writing okay. about that. Nice. Okay. And what? it's almost at the point now where I have to write a little bit about why I'm obsessed with the collapse of the Hard Rock Hotel. It's turned know? into a kind of brief encounters of the third kind. Mm. Do, you know, do you know why, why you're obsessed with it? Why is it? Um, I think, I don't know um, exactly I wasn't going to go into it, but when the destruction of the cranes, the demolition of the cranes, right. was kept being procrastinated, to use that word, that's an odd <laughs> use of the word in that context, but delayed, I guess, would be a more appropriate word. Right. Um, I mean, there was a sort of weird comedy to that, a dark comedy. I don't know if you recall, but the now we're getting into strange municipal... It's a very long jump from chord progressions to this. But, we're um, following I mean, I can barely follow it, but that's probably maybe it's good that I can talk about it. So, yes. you know, the flyover. Remember the they they were going to open the airport and they kept pushing the airport back, and then they finally mm -hmm. there were. I won't go into those complications, but they finally said it's open. And by the way, we forgot to build the road that will <laughs> you can't, go you to can't the airport. Get there from here. Yeah. So that and then when the building fell down, it was obviously a tragedy, but there was this other undercurrent of absurdity to it, and I said no, no. You have other things to do. and But they kept pushing the demolition back and back. And then it was a Friday, a Saturday, a Sunday. Then they pushed it back on the day of Sunday. And it was creeping towards the when the football game was going to begin. And it just started taking on this um, Don DeLillo thing. <laughs> Airborne toxic event. It just became like... So I, I went down to just see what there was to see. And that was so strange and interesting and dystopian. So you went down to Canal Street that, and that stood area. there with everybody. I, I on a bicycle. I kind of was around. Okay. And then once... Um, did you see the whole explosion? That was I so did, loud. I did, but it was almost what happened in the run-up to it, just the strange, lost, 
waiting. I was saying to people that it, I thought I was going into a Don DeLillo novel, but it turned into a Robert Altman movie, like Nashville. Come to think about it, right. you guys have ever seen that movie? Yes, and that's like, a great and, movie. So I've been kind of hovering around that. And if you really wanted the truth, I've decided that I now need to include this other totally baroque, uncharacteristic obsession with the bankruptcy of something called Bayou Steel that happened about a week before the Hard Rock collapsed. Is that connected? Or have you connected no, it? No, I've connected it. I mean, they're both okay. about like steel and I was gonna say, things falling apart very suddenly, I guess, well, that you don't expect to fall apart. They're both about the failure of steel, I guess, in some sense. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in this kind of like dreamy, inappropriately comedic, morbid, my usual. <laughs> so that's what, that's what you're known for? <laughs> morbid, comedic? Dark humor, uh, being able to see some. I don't know what I'm known for. Uh, it reminds me of like the great, because uh, this, of course, is the obvious thing one would go to when Kawhi Leonard was interviewed about winning the NBA championship as a Toronto Raptor, and he, they said, Kawhi, what do you think this means to the people of Toronto and Canada? This championship that you brought them, and he went, I don't know. You'll have to ask them. But uh, <laughs> so I, I aspire to that level of Buster Keaton. <clears throat> That's really interesting that you would, that you can find yeah. <laughs> that you can find some sort of comedic aspect to this building collapse. Well, and, I and mean, pull that off. Somehow. Think about like the Keystone. Uh, who says I pulled it off? I'm just well, chatting about it in a podcast, right? Do now. you think you can finish the piece? Uh, I, no, actually, the honest answer. But I'm still trying. And what's annoying is the uh, story keeps evolving, and in. It, in all cases in directions that are not um, funny and I'm, I don't mean to be approaching it as like a, a comic piece but the whole thing has a kind of you mentioned there's no FCC so there's a kind of clusterfuck you right. know Keystone Cops the bridge fell down the locomotive went off the, there's a yeah. Uh, so, and, and also just physically if I may you know if someone was visiting New Orleans now I think among the sites that they would have to see is this thing which uh. is one of the most bizarre looking things in any large municipality in the world. It looks like a Frank Gehry's fever-dreamed mm. most adventurous architecture you could ever imagine with this, like, phallic yellow thing right. hanging off, dangling right. off the, <laughs> over Canal Street. I mean, it's just a bizarre... It is. I just go down at all hours and stare at it. That's Do you really? I mentioned So the, you really are obsessed with it, for real? Well, a little obsessed for real. Right. Or a little for real obsessed. And when you walk away, when you finally think, oh, I have to go home now or I have to go to work or whatever, what do you... What no, do no, you that, that is work. Yeah. <laughs> what do you? What's your feeling when you turn away from it and walk away? What do you? Are you? I think Jesus, man, you have to finish this piece and get on with your life. <laughs> really? Yeah. But isn't this real life? If you're a writer, coming up with a wacky idea and then writing it. Yeah, both of those are very important. So finishing, finishing. So what important. made you want to? My friend, Minor Pipes, is a uptown lawyer, and every now and then he sees me sitting somewhere outside, and he'll roll down his window and just yell out, "Finish." <laughs> but that's an interesting point because you're the director of creative writing at Tulane, mm-hmm. which is a big deal gig. What would what made you want to do that instead of just continuing being oh, a professional well, writer? Well, what made me want to do that is I got married and had a baby. That'll do it. Mm-hmm. But you're a successful writer and you're a staff writer for the New Yorker. I'm sure you could go back and do that. That must pay pretty good. Well, I mean, you know, it was a great life as a sort of living in a studio apartment, but things needed to open into a different realm. Really? I mean, everyone has some version of that. So these guys who are working at the New Yorker, these people whose names you know, that you see all these great writers, they're all living in studio apartments somewhere? They're not wealthy? Some of them. No, actually, that's interesting. They're, they're not wealthy. Huh. And if they're living in New York, then they're really not wealthy, even <laughs> if they're not living in a studio apartment. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. So, this, uh, these people aren't stars like we think of them? No, but you're, it's like you're conflating stardom with wealth. Yes. I am. That's, Don't the, do Ameri- that. that's the American way. Hold on so, to the illusion that they're not conflated. So, you can be a super successful New Yorker writer whose names we know, these people's names, and they write these little bits at the beginning and then they have all these long articles and we hear them interviewed on NPR and so on, and they're not making any money just like us? I didn't say anything not making any money. I just said. Don't conflate being a star and being wealthy. Hmm. I mean, New Orleans is kind of the ideal town for that. Right. Oh, everybody One knows your name. I yeah. think that celebrities love to come to New Orleans is because everybody in New Orleans thinks they're a fucking celebrity. <laughs> yeah. your, your uncle makes the best fucking crawfish. Right. <laughs> in New Orleans, they don't care, you know. And 
we have, you know, Art Neville lived, lived right up the street, right here. Mm -hmm. Alan's, you know. Right. But, you know, how you, wealthy you was can, Art? You can stop the death from us, the stardom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Art was poor, but he's certainly not wealthy by, right. you know, great Americans. Well, there's a whole right. reason for that as well. Mm -hmm. But let's play one more song, because I know Thomas tells us we have to get the hell out of here. Yeah, i got to go to my gig. Okay, come on. <laughs> do you, let's do what short song. All right. Andrew and then and we're I, gone. Andrew and I are both uh, big Bob Dylan fans. Indeed. So we're going to collaborate. Okay. Okay. This is great. This is a treat. Today was brought to us by Basics on Magazine Street near Jefferson Avenue and the Positive Vibrations Foundation who create and encourage communities through the development and preservation of the arts, music, culture and heritage. My guests today have been the fabulous Dave Jordan, Tom Baller and Susan Frieswick. And if you want to find this keto stuff, search for Everyday Keto To Go. If you're looking for Tom Baller, you can go to TomBaller.com. Thomas. ThomasBaller.com. And Dave Jordan is at Dave Jordan Music, I believe. Yes, What sir. is that that just fell off here? Can you pick that up for me? Thanks. That's been Happy Hour for another week. Thank you so much for joining us. Our show is produced by Graham DePonte. Our music producer is Monique Pyle and Christian Unruh as our music consultant. Our technical director is Thomas Walsh. And Asher Griffith put this whole thing on Facebook. If you want to see this 
on Facebook, go to It's New Orleans Happy Hour Facebook page. Our fact checker and social media connector is Andrew Searock Searock, and our theme music is sometimes written by Mitch Foreman. Today it's being written by Bob Dylan, I believe. If you'd like to be on our show and you can stay upright for about 60 minutes while drinking alcohol, drop us a line. Our address is on our website, itsneworms.com. We can also check out many other happy hours that we made previous to this one as long, as well as some other shows you make around here, including Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, live from Commander's Palace, Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tooker, and our award-winning podcast about death called Death, the podcast. You can also find other great Louisiana podcasts at itsacadiana.com and itsbatonrouge.la. You can keep up with us between shows on a bunch of time-sucking social media like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On all of it, we're called It's New Orleans. You can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our It's New Orleans Happy Hour Facebook page. These photos are taken by Jill LaFleur and you can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. If you're listening to this on your podcast app, thanks for subscribing to us. If your podcast app has a share option, try telling a couple of friends about Happy Hour. This show is recorded live today at the Ferret Beer Room on Ferret Street in Uptown New Orleans. Happy Hour is a production of Ino Broadcasting for It's New Orleans for Andrew Duhon, everybody else around the table here at the Fred Beer Room and back at our office at INO Broadcasting. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you back here next week for more happy hour.